0: What's up all you heavy metal misfits and horror punk rockers welcome to another episode of the talk louder podcast where we geek out on all things rock and roll hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel leave us your likes and comments you can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page follow us on iTunes Spotify Instagram at talk louder underscore podcast and of course our website TalkLouderPodcast.com, where you'll find links to our merch and also our previous 100 plus episodes now I am Metal Dave Glesner, along with my co-host Jason McMaster, and today's guest is one of the long-standing front-runners of modern-day shock rock. We have Wednesday 13 on the Talk Louder podcast today. And uh, man, what a treat. <laughs> that guy has a long, long history, and he shared some great stories with us, I, and uh, I know you I, have- I
1: like the him. guy a lot. The guy is, he's, he's super chilly and he's from the south a lot of people don't realize he's from the carolinas and he's got that twang and he talks like this a little bit and he's just like you don't know that when you just hear his music or see photos and videos you don't if you don't know that about him then you talk to him he's like hey man let's hang out (laughs) so (laughs) it's fucking awesome that how that he's just so real and chilly and uh fun to talk to and yeah he's got a long
0: history and we didn't get to get into a lot of it i hope to have him back on us. well on we'll just two. have
1: part two yeah we'll yeah, have part part, two. part 13. uh <laughs> yeah
0: it'll right. be an ongoing series until we hit 13. there you well, go well
1: he was he could have he was right th- he was right in there nerding out with us the whole time he he could be honorary third nerd
0: absolutely absolutely He's here today to tell us about his new album, Horrifier, that drops October 7th. So we get into that. We get into as much of his history as we can. And uh, actually, you know, we say it all the time on this show. We, we just like to have a conversation. And today truly was just a great conversation. Just three nerds, as you said, just talking about rock and roll. And, man, he had some great stuff to tell us. So
1: Well, before we, before we, we kind of get the started with Wednesday 13, I just want to say a couple things. Check out his new record, Horrifier, drops yep. in October. Check out the new video for "You're So Hideous." You're so hideous. Yes. And uh, let's uh, let's get going here with our guest today, Wednesday 13, on the Talk Ladder podcast. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So you were telling us uh, you're, you're bouncing back from the covid lockdown, just finished up a tour and just getting ready to start one. Uh, run us through the latest happen. Yeah, yeah, we.
2: Yeah, we used to uh, we we did our first tour out of covid uh, back in March, April, May. That was like six weeks in the States and then uh, it did so well. We're doing like the second leg of that. That kicks off September 4th. Um, that's six weeks in the States. And then we go over to uh the u k and europe uh, supporting ministry uh so that's I, going to be an off tour. i saw uh so. i
1: I saw all of that posted somewhere um around mm-hmm. the time well, I know it was in the press kit, but I saw it posted somewhere and uh I was impressed i was like, wow, so." The rest of the year and on into twenty three, this guy's going to be going nuts all over the place. <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're cost, throwing yeah. you're throwing some of your shit over here. You're throwing some of your shit over here.
2: You keep throwing shit. I like. You it. know, I've been doing that for years. Though I mean, yeah, COVID I know. was the only time I've taken a break since you know forever. Like when I met you, Jason, I was you know, coming through Texas the first time, like we used to tour like 10 months out of the year. We'd do three times in the States, two times in the UK, twice in Europe, go to Australia, go to Japan, all like in a year. You know, that's, that's kind lot. of what my, that's, I was used to.
1: that's more but, than most major bands do. you know.
2: Yeah. And we did that, that for is. a while. We yeah. did it for a while. I also put a record out almost every year between 2000 like 2008 up till uh until i until i signed with like nuclear blast back in 2017 then we did it mm-hmm. every two-year deal uh but yeah that's why i have so that's why i'm on my ninth record yeah unstoppable unstoppable forces yeah just keep it keep it going and no one can knock it down and that, so that was the thing that was we had so so much momentum going Uh, and then COVID comes and just, you know, knocks us all down. So this is uh,
1: probably, this is probably on not to switch gears too abruptly. This is probably on David's list, but I'm going to go ahead and throw this in the mix. mm -hmm. Your, your band is pretty much from Texas yeah we're friends with all your band. <laughs> yeah yeah you, st- yeah you stole me best mates you, <laughs> yeah. you you you
2: got all the you got all the bad mofos from sa man yeah i did yeah. I, I i lucked out and and not only are they cool musicians they're just cool dudes you know no, really, that's what uh, i mean yeah i i lucked, I lucked out i've got a, i've got a good group of guys not only are they good musicians they're just you know and and that's that's what that's what makes it on the road. That's why I'm able to go and tour and do all these things I say I do because I actually have guys I like to tour with. And it took a long time because when I found the San Antonio guys, when I found Ramon and I found uh, I found Jason or Shakes, whatever everyone knows him as, yeah. and, and Troy, yeah. you know, they started playing with me. Like I started, ramon has been my buddy since 2006. He, became, he was like my guitar tech for a while which is the dumbest thing because he was the best musician on our stage and he's tuning my fucking guitar for me. You know? Standing over
1: there on the side of the stage, just like yeah. being, being a cool guy and you yeah, in the back coach. of your head going, yeah, th- my guitar tech is more talented than the motherfuckers yeah. on the stage.
2: Yeah. But, but, but that changed. And then like a few years later, he and I started, our, we were playing together and then we were in Murder Dolls together. and yeah. Um, But yeah, that's that's why I've been able to do it and, and not get frustrated is because i've got a good group of guys uh and i i was trying to count it yesterday i was like how many people have been in wednesday 13. i was like well there's only been one me so i know there's one there and i started counting like how many i think there's been seven guitar players i think there's been uh four to five bass players we're we're starting with uh we're starting with a new drummer on this tour a guy I'm super excited about, a guy named Mike Mike Dupkey. He was uh, he was in Wasp for like 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He and I he and I jammed together at some local thing here in Los Angeles, and I just remember we we played like a Wasp song and a White Zombie song, and I remember looking over my shoulder going, "All right, I got to remember this guy. He's good." Yeah, uh, yeah
0: cool I've known uh, I've known Troy for about 35 years yeah I, I grew up with <laughs> him in San Antonio and uh, I remember him back in his days in alienation when they were one of the major players on the San Antonio
1: scene so you guys met in the hospital on the day you were born <laughs> yeah, for yeah, him, much. Because, yeah.
0: yeah 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 speaking <laughs> of speaking of days you were born uh, Wednesday uh, happy belated birthday you just had yeah. an a couple days ago right thank you I just
2: happy happy 21st. I know, I know, right? I uh, <laughs> yeah, I just I just turned 46, so I caught up. I'm catching up with the rest of the guy. We got one younger guy in the band, our guitar player, Jack. I think he's 40 or 41. He doesn't even know. He had a birthday one time, and he, he didn't know how old he was. So I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's just, one way. That's yeah, one yeah, way I, to do it. I, I don't know. Am I 40? Am I 39? I'm like, yeah. who
1: who cares who cares who cares how old you are can you rock that's all i care about
0: tell me tell me real quick how how troy joined your band because i've been friends with him for a long long time but i've been living in austin for the past 27 years so he and i don't see each other as much as i'd like uh but i was very proud of him and thrilled when he he got the gig with you and he's been with you for a number of years now so um tell me how you guys crossed paths and how he ended up in your band
2: well basically um wednesday 13 was was touring up until murder dolls did the second album in 2010. Uh, so we did that for like a and and in that lineup ramon was in that lineup our guitar player jack was in that lineup and uh jason shakes the drummer was in murder dolls on that lineup too so when murder dolls came off tour joey went back doing slipknot i'm like all right i gotta do wednesday again i'm like i'm just going to keep using these guys and i'm like but we we didn't have a bass player so jason and ramon were both like hey our buddy troy will do it so remember troy sending me a picture of of him trying to look cool in his bathroom you know like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that even it's possible, possible. Cool. I was like you know what you look fine if you, know? you can and look uh, cool in the bathroom uh, yeah, exactly. you know exactly. Yeah, exactly. So he, sent, yeah. he sent me a text that's like yo dub this is Troy uh, I'm, you know I'm interested in the gig uh, here, here's a picture of me any other stuff you need let me know and I'm like cool they're vouching for you and ever since then he's been he's been the dude and uh, I, I love I love touring with him he's the he's the best he's like our He's like, our, uh, he's like our, our special gift on the bus, like every tour I find some way. I'm going to tell you guys this story because this is a great story whether you know Troy or not, but this is just how, how we get on tour. So the last tour before COVID, Troy starts the tour. Everybody, you know, we've had a couple months off, so we all talking to each other. How you doing? How's it going? How's your kid? How's your wife? How's this? Blah, blah, blah. Here's my new jacket. Oh, I got this. The Troy got a new pair of shoes. He wanted everybody to see his new pair of shoes. And they weren't anything that fancy or anything. They were like some, I don't know, they were just like some $50 or whatever, you know, comfy shoes. Yeah. He was talking about them. Yeah, it was my new shoes, my new shoes. So about a week into the tour, me and our drummer were up in the morning early watching Leave at the Beaver and stuff. And, and uh, I get my dumb ideas and I'm like, you know what? I look down and I see Troy's new shoes are just laying there. And I'm like, here's Troy's new shoes he cares about so much. His his first mistake. Yes. And I was like, you know what? I said, it'd be hilarious if we had like another pair of shoes just like this on the bus and like changed the sizes on them and just switched them out with him and just fucked with him. (laughs) I just said it out loud. And then I keep, I'm watching like Andy Griffith and then my drummer holds his phone up and he's like, we can order them right here. (laughs) He goes, and it's a two-for-one. And I went, oh, (sighs) shit. So we look at Troy's shoes, and Troy's like a 10. Okay. So we order a (laughs) 9, and we order (laughs) a 12. (laughs) So we get the shoes in a couple days later, and Troy's – You had them shipped to the venue? Had them shipped to the venue. Yep, yep. Uh, We get the shoes. We're hiding them in a a little – compartments on the on the bus and troy would wear these shoes or wear a pair of doc martin like boots that was his kind of two he had and he'd keep them in the hallway you know so like step on them or we always step on them and uh so we'd watch troy and i was kind of the one that made the decision when to switch them out we wouldn't do it all the time but we'd watch troy if he had like a like a night where he was drinking a little bit and we are like man he's gonna feel it tomorrow that's when we hit him <laughs> or or if we knew we had like load in and he was still asleep we're like let's switch those shoes out because he's going to wake up real quick blurry eyed, not going to know and we video it every time we did this for weeks <laughs> so he would get up and he would put on the small shoe first and he just would he because he could you could still fit into a size eight yeah or a size nine or whatever so he could fit into that, but he would just – you'd see him walk back and forth, and he would just start freaking out and take Perplexed. it off. yeah Put his boots on. And then we all started talking about, you know, as we're driving through Colorado, oh, man, this, the the pressure up here is getting weird. My, I think my shoes are getting tight. I had to undo my shoes. So we all started – and he's like, you know, the same thing happened with me. We're like, yes. <laughs> Keep it going. <laughs> we rode this thing all the way. This went through Colorado, oh West Coast, God. through Texas. We got to Atlanta. This is three weeks later. <laughs> and we and we hit him, we hit him with the bozo shoes, the twelves. And we got it on video and he puts them on. And there, there's there's a video of me in the video. And I just, I have to get out of there because they're so big. And we on Troy's a little dude. It almost looked like they were as long as his legs, <laughs> <laughs> and he couldn't figure it out. And he was just walking back and forth. And I and we see him like go to his go to his drawer, and he like he's looking, he's like taking his blood pressure medicine. We're like, man, we've really we really got to... so, started getting scared. If anyone knows the venue in Atlanta, the Masquerade, you got to walk yes. a mile to get to one of the stages. So yeah. he had to, so he walked. To the, to the stage and that's like, <laughs> in the clown shoes. In the clown shoes, and he realized then, hey, these are his size 12. We cut the sizes out of them; they were brand new. But so he tries to pull it back on us. So he goes to our drummer, who's the sensitive guy, and he's like, "Hey, man, I don't know if something's going on with my with my feet and everything. I'm going to have to go to the hospital." I'm going to have our tour manager take me to the ER. And he's like – and so he comes and tells me, and he's like, man, Troy's really freaking out. I went, no, he's not. He knows. Let's take him to the hospital. <laughs> so you took you <laughs> took him? No, no, no. Oh, we oh. were prepared. I was prepared oh, okay. to take him to – I was going to ride it out. We were going to just – it was that – so either way, he figured it out three and a half weeks later in Atlanta that he had on a size 12-pound shoe. That's one of the best pranks I've ever heard. Oh, I right. love it. Road it's prank, great. that's so good. Yeah. Everybody, like like my, my girlfriend. If anybody's girlfriend came in, we would get them to start talking about their shoes being tight. I <laughs> oh, the pressure I had yeah. to undo my shoes. <laughs> you know, like it was just so bizarre. Well, it uh, you could call it the bus is haunted. <laughs> he's gonna get me back but that that's fine but yeah we'll see what happens I mean, that was just yeah that, he was a good sport about it he enjoyed it uh that's gonna that was, be hard to beat that's great I know. i'm just I glad know. he didn't od on heart medication <laughs> <laughs> on
1: blood pressure oh, no. medication all right i better you. i better take about four of these <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's icing his feet at the end of the night. shaking.
1: You know, he's shaking. <laughs> oh, man, my feet. Oh. That oh, reminds
0: man. me of a. I remember oh, that's good. years ago in San Antonio, I used to work in a sheet metal shop. And whenever a new guy would come to the warehouse, the running joke was we would tell him to go get the metal stretcher. And of course, there is no such thing, but everybody in the warehouse is in on the joke. So, of course, you point them to the farthest corner of the warehouse and go, see that guy down there in the trucker hat way down at the end. Go ask him. He had it last. And then you watch him walk all the way down there. And then you watch that guy point him to some other far away, distant Uh place. And this guy goes around in circles (laughs) and get him going for a good 30 minutes or something. It was great.
2: It's just like being in school again. We do the same. We do the same pranks and stuff on each other. And yeah, that's hilarious. We'll never grow up. What can I say? That's hilarious. Before we get into your new
0: album, I wanted to talk real briefly I met you one time in Austin. I think I was with Jason because I ended up on your tour bus, and I remember distinctly because you were wearing a Twisted Sister T-shirt. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Sounds about um, right. <laughs> yeah. You, you played a red-eye fly, I, I think it was. That's right. And yeah. um, and, and then in more recent years.
1: That's, that's when I first met. That's when I first met you. Yeah. yeah okay. Well. Then that's the same night. Then You knew that I was there, and I think you sent someone else to, out to get me, and I would think I was about to split. You were. You were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you someone who's great, like, great, hey, great dude, weekend. come on in here. And I was like, just went on the bus. Said, oh, well, All right. Whatever. Here we but go. I was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. New friend. I got a new friend. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then you drag, you dragged me along and I, yep. I loved it. Of course, I had a great time. I think back. I left you there you
1: might have about right yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe yeah. i overstayed
0: my welcome i don't know good for you but i remember wednesday was wearing like this vintage twisted sister t-shirt you can't stop rock and roll i mm-hmm. think it was and uh, i remember thinking wow that's cool because i used to have the same t-shirt and you know based on his image and everything i wasn't sure he'd be into the whole 80s sort of the oh quote unquote cock rock kind of stuff i didn't know him then of course now i know better yeah. but um but then, in more recent years, uh, you came to town and you invited Jason up on stage to sing with you. And there's a photo of it somewhere that I can't find to save my life.
2: But I remember you- the photo. I don't have it either, but I remember. Yeah, we. It's rock and roll all night.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: What song did you sing? Rock and roll all night. Okay, and it was
1: uh, end of the show, I think, or or no, no, it wasn't. It was it was like mid show. And I think that it was uh, you guys played it was at that venue, used to be called Red Seven. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, it was yeah. in the
2: back in the in the big place out back. You got a better yeah, memory than stages. me. I'm like I, I remember pieces of this. I remember something about seven and red and yeah. There was a guy that worked at the venue and he had a he had a hat, he had a hot dog on this hand and he had a hamburger on this hand. That's what I remember. Wow. You <laughs> probably know that guy. I'm like, whoa. All right. Yeah.
0: Well, I knew that you and Jason had some history and, uh, I just wanted to bring up that memory because I thought it was cool that you brought them up on stage and, and you guys,
2: yeah, I mean, yeah. anytime I've been on tour when I've been doing this and I, uh, meet anybody that I had their albums from when I was growing up. Like I had, I had the dangerous toys cassette. I had a dangerous toys. Give me no lip t-shirt walking into ninth grade, walking, Vintage. Through, the, walking through the metal heads and them going, glam glam you know the <laughs> f word yeah uh, so that was that was my thing and uh you know so anybody that i meet from that i grew up and listened to, I, I still you know i have met everyone from you know from you jason to like chip from enough's enough you know he's become a, a friend um just he's, know, a cool he's, he's a cool guy he's a real cool guy yeah great guy Yeah, and uh just a lot of a lot of people you know that i've just met and everyone knows i've you know i've always that was the thing with Murder Dolls. Like when we came out, like Metal Sludge was like, that was still no one knew who ran the site. And, yeah. you know, uh, I did an interview on that, on that, and that's when I pretty much confessed all my my hair metal like stuff. Like when I was growing up, I would just literally look in the back of a Metal Edge, look on Rock on the Rise or Hip Parader or Circus, any of those upcoming thing, and anybody that, that I would read about that sounded cool and looked cool, there was my lunch money. I'd save it up. There's five bucks to get the demo. I, you know, here's five bucks so I can hear what tough sounds like. Sure. Here's, yeah. uh, you know, everything. And that's where I spent all my money. And I had a good friend of mine. He would order the same stuff. So we'd be like, we don't have a lot of money. So why don't you order this week? You get tough and I'll order Cherry Street. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sounds <laughs> so be, familiar. You know, yeah. what? I mean? we just order yeah, yeah. anything like that. And uh, yeah. because to us, you know, being able to, You know, like, of course we like Motley Crue and the bigger bands, but you couldn't couldn't get to them. You know, you could go to a club show and see Tough and meet Tough, and so they became like our bands, and that was just like a that was such a such a cool thing. And I know I have that sort of relationship with a lot of my fans now too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's important, and it's uh, it served you well having it be still on a. You know, even though I feel like you're. You're a world-renowned artist and respected, and I feel like the deal with nuclear blast is strong. So yeah. it's kind of like you have arrived finally with these, I don't know, I don't want to call them smaller deals, but you probably have a little better distribution. There, I'll just say that. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like, uh, you know, you've been busy the whole fucking time but I feel like on an underground level, you have respect because of the uh, relationship that you have with your fans.
2: And that's think, a big deal. So, so yeah, think cheers think so to too. that. And I really got to thank you. I, I, got to know, I got to know my fans, I feel like a lot better on the COVID two years off too, because I was doing so much social media and I started a fan club and this whole thing. And it was just like, I got to, I got to hear them. A lot more. Yeah. I got to hear the ones that complain. I got to hear the ones that love everything. Uh, but you know, for the most part, that's why I kind of, I kind of focused my record, sort of dialed it back to uh, kind of think what the fans would want. At least the ones I engaged with.
1: Sure. Do yeah. you remember the last time you and I saw each other? I'm I checking your memory. My... You. I'm checking your memory because a second ago you Was said. It, it's... You're gonna I get it. Did
2: I, did I see you in LA at the at the the show with all the all the bands? Was that the last time I saw you?
1: Cat House, yes. Irvine yes. Meadows, yes. That was. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. See uh, now I, I can't. T- 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 I, I know it. You did great. <laughs> Here's the deal. What year was that?
2: That would have been because I don't have any fucking idea. it would have It'd been, been two thousand four. Fifteen, maybe. Oh Okay, fifteen. 15 no, I think. 15. You had it, yeah. It was had seven it years ago. Yeah, yeah, I think someone someone posted a picture of it the other day, and I saw my hat. And that's I can just tell by hats I had during the years. Like, oh, that, <laughs> that was my 2014, 2015 hat. Yeah, so <laughs> that's uh, hilarious. That's hat. that's hat
1: hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and you of- and you were performing that day. You were just hanging out, seeing no. all the
2: old school, man. Yeah, yeah. Man. That was all the bands that that was all of them in, in one one setting. You know, you had the you had the the main stage and uh I mean I I wanna say just almost every just about everybody was there. It was like it was tough. Pretty boy Floyd, Enough's Enough, uh main junkyard. stage was uh, junkyard, dangerous toys, Master Pussy, Side Nine Kick
1: bang tango
2: extreme i I finally saw extreme that night that's the first time i'd ever seen them and they were just like the most musically talented band i was like they just came out was like
1: what the fuck yeah they don't (laughs) they don't don't fuck around they're around at all they're they're musos and they they're fucking good yeah
2: uh love them
1: them or hate them they're fucking great they're great Yeah, they're so good. You have to get man, yeah. man. Um, is, are
2: good.
1: Bill, you know, you did mention a few. It's it's not something just to like nerd out. You know, uh, Dave, you realized that Wednesday could be an honorary member of the nerd team that it does oh. make up uh, the Talk Louder podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, welcome guest nerd Wednesday thirteen. Yeah, the, I'm, here's I'm, the deal. Here's the deal is I feel like you've already mentioned them, but I don't think that there was too many bands that were not at least from L.A. County, Orange County, Los Angeles area or mm-hmm. California. Extremes from Boston, Toys from Texas. Uh, you mentioned someone a minute ago that's not from... It was basically uh, a bunch of bunch of L.A. bands,
2: Hollywood like bands. Florida, or Florida, Extreme, Boston. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So There's yeah, not, like There this, wasn't many that, bands that
1: weren't from the California area. So I thought that's what made it mostly cool was the and and more reason to call that gig a cat house reunion kind of thing right
2: well yeah because you can see all the other bands for the most part on the strip once a month like you know i've been living in la now since 2010 and i mean that's i've got to see just about everybody now i've seen i've seen every every band from love hate to to vain to uh, the Wasp, to just I've seen everything now, and then I get to go out to that show and see some of the bands that I didn't get to see. So, so I've, I've pretty much seen just about every band off off my off my list that I that I had on my wall at some point. I feel
1: like it's uh, the really, and maybe you can chime in on this and like, kind of slap my hand and tell me though no, that's not correct because you've been out there for so long. It seems to me that the whiskey, I mean, the rainbow is still there, of course. Um, i don't really know of much of anything else there in that you know part of town that is as legendary as those two places and i that's none of them are there anymore i'm just it's kind of a question you can tell me well this is still there that's still there but it seems to me and i'll finish with this that still to this day any of the bands that had any clout at all that made the history books i'll just say yes their shows are still continuing to become legendary at the whiskey for obvious reasons we started here we're now we're old people and we still play here and we're still here and you thank god y'all are still here blah blah blah
2: does it seem like that kind of vibe? it's still if the whiskey is the only place that still has that vibe the whiskey because you can play there, and then you, you can walk right up to the Rainbow, and you, the, the Roxy's still there, but the Roxy occasionally gets good shows. The Key Club, which used to be Gazaris, and the Key Club, that's like a, like a night dance club now, so that's not even there. Right. Uh, but you, you're right. I mean, there's bands that can play, like, from the from the metal years movie that band odin can still play the sure. whiskey you know yeah. they'll pack it out they'll pack it out uh you know and they play twice a year or whatever so right uh so yeah that's the, yeah that's my favorite blessed i don't go out that much but if i do go to a show it's usually at the whiskey uh i've been to the troubadour several times and that's just not my not my my thing uh, the whiskey is a place we always play. And we're actually kicking our tour off. Uh, we're playing uh, what the Rainbow's done recently. I don't know if you've been there recently, but they've taken over the parking lot of the Roxy now. So now it's like they have shows back there. Uh, so we're playing the Labor Day uh, party. Our tour kicks off on September 4th. So it's like uh, I think Lita Ford's headlining. And so it's Lita Ford, John 5, Us, Enough's Enough. Uh, the lead singer of the Zeros is on it super early, which I cool. which I love the Zeros back in the day. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there is a that's kind of like our little kickoff thing uh, for the for the tour. So that I get to start off right on the right of what we're talking about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. We should. Uh, so speaking of tour, you have a new album coming out. I, I believe it drops October 7th. Is that correct? Yes. I believe October so. 7th, brand new album called Horrifier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, You you said that you kind of and you alluded to this a little earlier in the conversation uh, after listening to your fans and whatnot. Um, You had said that you were trying to make Horrifier a little bit different than maybe your last three records. So I wanted to ask you in what in what way?
2: Well, I think just you know the last three records we really kind of if you want to call it experimented with the sound a bit. You know, I mean, I started off, you know, uh, you know, Wednesday Thirteen was sort of this metal slash kind of punk hybrid sort of thing. First two albums were kind of like that, and then uh, and then when I got with the San Antonio guys, and I started playing with a bunch of guys that could fucking play and do all this cool shit. I'm like, well, let's try this. So we started experimenting and and all that. This record, I think the reason it's maybe a little more dialed back to the original is because I I wrote a majority of the music, like I wrote the guitar stuff. And I think that's why, in my mind, it kind of has an earlier Wednesday 13 kind of vibe to it. Uh, And maybe less of the metal aspect that's been there for the last couple records. Uh, But yeah, man. that's i think that's has been the biggest the biggest change was that you know for the last few records i let i mean i always do all my vocals but i was letting uh you know, raman and and jack and everyone else contribute stuff uh you know and kind of bring in a different thing but i don't know i just kind of wanted to you know kind of go back and go where it kind of started from with a fresh perspective i guess yeah you know, and i had is- two years to go back and look at every style i've done from from the beginning to where it was and went, well, what is, what do I like? I don't know if I like that part. I, I was wearing an apron. I looked like Leatherface on that year. I don't know if I like that. You know what I mean? Like I'm just watching stuff and I went, all right, what if I could Frankenstein 20 years of all this and make the special version? And that's kind of what I thought about the record. I thought about the stage show. I thought about, that's kind of how I, I've looked at it. You know, instead of trying to constantly reinvent myself, I went, don't well, I just make the super, Wednesday Frankenstein and that's yeah. kind of what the record was.
0: So you kind of had you had time to sort of analyze your 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 past history and sort of cherry pick the things you like best and sort of slam them all together.
2: And and taking in other people listening to stuff. I mean, I'm not going to do stuff just you know because other people like it if I don't like it. I have to like it generally at the core of it all, but uh but I got to listen to it. And when I was talking about the fan club thing I did when I started writing the record a year ago, we started working on it uh, I had like a special part of the fan club where they could watch us write and work on the stuff. So this little area I'm sitting in right here, I, a year ago, we, they got to watch everything, get started for me, just working on the riff, you know, so, to so that little group of fans, they love this album already because they got to see it be made for once. And yeah. the, usually they get, they get to see the album cover and stuff whenever the press, the news comes out.
1: They They got to watch you
2: sketch. They did. Yeah. They did. And that was, and, and I got to kind of bounce ideas off of it. I could see, because, you know, sometimes fans like, they like, I won't say they like anything I do, but I could tell my fans were pretty honest. That little group of fans, I could take it and go, oh, that's a super cool rip. I'm like, all right. Three people brought that back up a week later or a week later. I'm like, all right, because it stuck in their head. So I took little things like that, and uh, and I've never been able to do that before. And I think that sometimes may work better than having a producer maybe tell you what you should, what you should do. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, every everyone should. The it, producer's it, not going to buy your
2: album.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a good, that's amen. I got, I can't top that.
2: Yeah. Good one, David. Yeah, you're, right, you're right. And that's why I didn't have a producer on this album. We did it. I, I did it all. We did it all ourselves. You yeah. know, I I was like, look, we're not getting a big record advance. Why are we going to spend every dime and more on recording when i know we can collectively we're smart enough we've we've self-released our stuff in the past we can do it again yeah like so we had the covid uh break i had this i, I just moved the burbank i had before i moved all our band gear in here from the last tours just this cluttered mess behind me uh we had a ton of room in here so we basically just sit out here and worked on it recorded everything i did all the vocals in my house and and uh we didn't i didn't have a producer i didn't have an engineer I record everything myself uh, and I think that was the hardest part was being my own producer going all right is that good enough you know because I would record a verse get up the next morning listen to it go fuck I could do it better and after I changed it five times I went all right you gotta quit me and so fucking crazy about this you gotta really just you know and uh so that was a challenge as well just being my own did producer you, I, I didn't did know, you have I didn't someone it mix? Did, did,
1: I'm sorry to interrupt did you have someone mix it you were talking about you, you keep mentioning doing it yourself and I, I that's the only way to go for I, I really feel that's really a true artist way to go because you know your own limitations and it's not like uh well and there are some artists that sing it one time and go, That's good enough. Yeah, and we yeah. we know that that's not good enough.
2: Yeah. I'm the I'm the worst on myself. Like, like I said, I had to like you know, I would have to listen to it and I would let my girlfriend listen to it, you know? Yeah. But the thing is, like, normally, normally I would be fine with if the band was there because we all trust each other. Um, yeah. But like I said, most of my band guys weren't here. Ramon was in Europe half the time for COVID. Right. So I was like, you know, I didn't really have anyone to bounce ideas off of. Uh, so I literally had to go, you know, all right, dude, you got to, you got to trust yourself. You've been doing this for a while. You know what sucks, you know what doesn't. Uh, yeah oh, you know, yeah. So, yeah so that was a that was a challenge uh this time who, as well I don't know if I, uh we went with this guy named brent brent clausen he had did the uh maybe three or four of my albums okay. um uh, he was in a band with a guitarist jack this band called bullets and octane i think they were on the show that you came out and played the kiss song with us that's how far back oh okay well wow. all right so, yeah he was the in that band and uh, when we decided we could record this thing all on our own, I was like, "We well, just get him to mix it, you know." And uh, so that was everything. We he literally he didn't ha- he brought his gear over here, set it up. He goes, "All right, this is how Pro Tools works. Here's a little cheat sheet." And I went, "Cool, I'll call you. I'll call you if I ain't got any problems." <laughs> and I did, did all my vocals, did everything. I I, I learned how to do it, and uh, great success. I did awesome. it. Awesome good for you i
1: I think i would have gone completely batty and had to uh commit myself but it's reminded me of how we how we got this podcast going because i mean i know a little bit you know i can (laughs) press some buttons and shit and you know move a microphone around and know how a mixer works but it was still a lot of training learning how to like I also had to learn. I'm I'm a music teacher. I had to learn how to teach online, and that fucked my head up. But by the time I got it down, okay, we were starting this podcast, and like, we were like, we had Dave on the line the whole time. Nope, that's not it yet. You know, we're trying to no. teach him how to fish. You know, teach him yeah. how to move things around. And and
0: I didn't even know what a webcam was before. Yeah, it's, we started it's this stuff. and, at, and like at.
1: we. He's like, I have friends that that are avid watchers of the podcast. You know, and and uh they were like I was I was just watching every episode to see Dave's new microphone because he had a different fucking microphone every episode.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Couldn't yeah, figure I was, out I was tell you guys. I have like this is basically I luckily have this piece of dinosaur equipment. This thing right here. Oh, I love those. Okay. This is what I've been doing my demos on since two thousand six. Okay. This last year was the first year. That I learned how to do Pro Tools from this. Right. So I've been like, all the guys have been able to tell me, dude, you should learn how to do Pro Tools or whatever. It's so much easier. I'm like, no, dude, it's nowhere is as easy as this. The reason I was able to do Pro Tools, because the same, it's the same stuff.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's just, it a, it's, it's just more
2: of a digital yeah. on screen. Yeah. So I, had to, I learned my little cheat thing. So luckily, I had so many years learning how to do, like, I don't even have to, I can do that thing in my sleep. I still hold on to that thing it has like probably got 10 years 15 years worth of songs in it well a lot All of the people, people a lot of people records, don't but...
1: a lot of people don't realize there might be a certain that dinosaur that you mm-hmm. keep obviously in the trash can at your yes. knees yeah yes well, oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right
1: uh that might have like this tone that you're looking for later on that for some reason how come I can't get this thing I used to be able to do this thing on this this old piece of shit over here yeah. man let's 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 blow let's get that thing <laughs> happening and plug it in and you know you never know I mean probably not but you
2: know what I mean it's like that that ha- thing like again it's I'm going to hold on to it it's been a savior I've been able to do all my demos like you know it's just I don't know why i never stepped up to learning how to do pro tools sooner because it is a lot easier doing like like drum beats and stuff i still don't know how to program a drum machine like i used to buy like hit like pads and i would actually because i can keep a rhythm somewhat i used to record all the drums for my first my first album deal with roadrunner i sent them d- demos of this horrible stuff like i was recording like the the snare and the and the kick and then i would go back and record cymbals so it was just like it wasn't the worst sounding, but sure. it got me, got my record deal. It's good enough. That right. it went, That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right.
1: Don't tell them well, that you got your, don't tell them you found your drummer at Toys R Us. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell them that. No, I know. Let's spend a little more time on
0: the new album. The first yeah. single is called uh, You're So Hideous. Yes. And, um, uh, the video is great. The video, if anyone hasn't seen it, look it up on YouTube. Uh, it's called "You're So Hideous," and it it, it basically approximates the Exorcist. So yeah. you've got this really crazy, uh, possessed girl d- doing the whole role of the Exorcist. Great in
2: the video, right? She, the girl is great. Like she's amazing. It's not, not special effects. She's a contortionist. She, I wow. saw a video of her on on Instagram. Uh, the director of the video sent it to me. He goes. I think this girl will be perfect. I was like, you think? Yeah. <laughs> and then she got, she got there. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, when I when I saw her, I was like, I don't have to really do anything now. I can just hang back and just be cool. I don't have to w- worry about, like, because she's going to steal the show. Uh, but, it, but the thing was, I, I told the director guy, like, I didn't want to, you know, like, we've all seen The Exorcist or grew up with it. That was just like, my mom was terrified of The Exorcist. Like, she was totally freaked out about it. Uh, for some people that's just a terrifying movie. And then over the years, of course, they made fun of it. Um the movie Repossessed with, with uh with Leslie Nielsen when they and then they did a scary movie. They made fun of the vomit scene. So when we were doing that, I was like I was like, I wanna do this, but we can't make it be like the campy. We gotta try to make it as serious. Even if you laugh at it a little bit, we gotta try to at least keep the vibe of it. And I think we did. I don't think it comes off being like repossessed or scary movie the vomit scene's a little overdone but we had to go overboard with that that was i'm that glad was, was, i gotta you, see it
0: now I, yeah, I, I yeah i'm gonna yeah. i've got to check it Every, out everyone listening needs Broke. to check it out because it, it it almost looks like outtakes from the actual movie the girl you does a really it, great man. job and the lighting is is very similar to the movie and everything it's really cool, and I'm glad you brought up uh, the the point about not making it too campy. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you you kind of have a reputation as, as shock rock and theater and all that stuff. But there's and, and scary stuff. But there's always always been an element of humor in in what you do. Yes. Um, tell tell me how you how important that is that you integrate some sort of tongue in cheek. I guess is maybe the best way to say it. As opposed to going all, you know, black metal, death metal, upside down crosses, and you know all this other stuff. You you kind of keep it
2: light, yeah. uh, but still have the dark imagery. Well, that's kind of what my it's always been for me. Like you know, this is the way. I mean, anyone that can look the like if I took this so serious, I'd have to kick my own ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> It's like, I have to be able to laugh at myself. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I have yeah. to, you know, I can't just be like, I'm not Fonzie 24 seven. I might have my Fonzie moment on stage, but I'm not like that. And people that walk around, and there's a lot of artists that I could name and I'm not, but just tons of people that just carry that. And you're like, dude, really let, let that, let that wall down. So I've always showed people that my sense of humor and the one, and I, I'm the horror movie guy, but I, people always ask me like, if I could compare my personality to any character, the closest thing is probably Beetlejuice. Because Beetlejuice had both elements. He yeah. was funny and then at the when he had to scare the fuck out of those people of the house at the end, he did. You know what I mean? So it was kinda like and that's been my perfect balance. You know, I like to make people laugh and also make them vomit at the same time. It's like uh goes and <laughs> hand yeah, in That's yeah. great. That's Wednesday great.
1: thirteen, that. the the party monster, right? Yeah. yeah the the the, uh, party ghost
0: yeah i love the beetlejuice analogy
2: but that's the Um, best way to explain it because it's like he's the only character that that could walk that line of doing that you know yeah now having said
0: all that there is a song on the new album called the other side that is a is is from my understanding it's a little more personal to you i think it's it's dedicated to your mother You know, maybe uh, maybe you're digging a little deep and sharing some of your soul on that song. Tell us a little bit about that song.
2: Yeah, um, you know, the good thing about, like I was saying over the over the years, I've been able to experiment with different stuff. You know, I'm not constantly singing about horror movies and stuff, but one thing that always you can sing about that fits right in is death. Uh, And over these the past two years, I mean, with with the, the COVID lockdown and stuff, I mean, I had so many people around me like pass away. And it wasn't from COVID. Like my, my mom passed away suddenly in, uh, in 2020. Uh, Joey Jordison passed away suddenly. Uh, you know, last year, uh, Alexi from Children of Bodom passed away like six months before him. Uh, my, one of my, my nephews uh, passed away from cancer. His, uh, his, and his twin brother was in a car accident and lost his daughter. I had so much just madness within my family and friends for those two years um you know it was you know that that was a really hard part is just getting my mind fo- fo- focused on writing uh but when ramon brought that music for that song the other side on uh, when he played it for me lyrically at first i started i had the melody in my head but like when i started piecing all this stuff together i'm like you know i, I need a i need some therapy from this i'm going to write a song about it so i kind of so I took that opportunity to write that song about that, and uh, and it works. It works within our world, even though it's more of a serious song. It still it still fits. Yeah. Uh, and we recently I really had
1: loved. we recently had Mike Monroe on, and there was a similar there was a similar case. You know, yeah. He's, yeah. he's Mike Monroe 90, percent but there's this you know there's a few moments on the, his record where he's he's talking about something. Yeah. personal yeah, and it's like soul. you don't think about that you just think about Mike Monroe being a madman and singing all these party yeah, rock yeah. and roll and these situational funny you know uh you know dispositions uh lyrically and then there's these this moment where he's you know taking a break from all that and being serious
2: and yeah. I think and that, and that, that's that you scary. have to. yeah you have it's, to. it's scary to put those kind of songs uh, I don't know I mean I'm sure I I've, I've known Mike for years too and he's a good friend Amazing. And- Probably the best front guy I've ever seen. Ooh, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah nice. um, but yeah, it's it's sometimes it's it's scary uh to to take your sh- come out of your shell like that. You know, for some people, yeah. Uh, yeah. for some people, they would never. They, I mean, I've wrote I've wrote songs in the past that were personal, and some people maybe didn't even know about it. Uh, but this one's pretty pretty obvious, and I talk about it in the press and stuff as well. But I've just been really lucky to to have music's always been that outlet to feel to feel that void of that you know if I if I can't talk to anybody I can I can sing about it you know and then now I can get a reaction because like I said I wrote that song about my mom I wrote it about Joey as well uh, but you know Joey was the first person that had ever in my life had someone like that had passed away that everyone else around the world knew who he was mm-hmm. the one who knew my mom but me you know but like. Like, you know, when Joey passed away, it was just like my social media. And it's still to this day. I mean, I can't scroll without seeing a picture of him every four or five pictures, you know. So so that was just um, so this song as well. I kind of did it for me to heal. And I think some of the fans will be able to listen to that song and hopefully have some, you know, closure or something with that as well. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. That was was my experiment. That was my one thing that's a little different on this record, I guess. That's cool
0: that's cool you're you're an artist so you know you 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 kind of dabble with your emotions from time to time and that's uh that's what artists do
2: yeah there's feelings Uh, down here god damn it there's feelings behind
0: this (laughs) the the lp version of the album comes with a ouija board is that correct
2: there's a there's a limited edition version the label uh the label's been really cool uh and they came up with the idea of of uh they were like hey would you want to do like a ouija board i'm like would i so uh, so yeah, uh, so yeah like a, I think it's limited to like five hundred, there's a version with the Ouija board and the album cover, everything, you know. I'm a I'm a musician that or an artist that likes the art to be a huge part. I mean, and Jason, I mean, your dangerous toys artwork, how big was that for you guys? I I mean
1: it was it was a it was fifty percent, you know. Ah, the band's okay, but look at this fucking album cover, you know. That,
2: kinda, <laughs> that's the kind of album cover that Every time I make an album cover, I always think about walking in the store, seeing stuff like that, seeing an Iron Maiden album cover, seeing Dangerous Toys. That was a crazy fucking album cover, you know? Yeah. Uh, So I I wanted this album cover to kind of have that. And then we put the physical product out. We make it worth your while, because people are just so busy streaming and downloading stuff now. It's like, hey, look, you get a Ouija board with this. Come on. What are you waiting?
0: (laughs) So that, that that leads to my next question. We got about 10 more minutes and I got so much I want to cover, uh, but I wanted to ask you uh, on the subject of the Ouija board. Have you ever had any weird experiences with a Ouija board?
2: Uh, I've never really messed with them uh, and I'm not, uh, and I don't really want to. Um, with my luck, I'll I'll stir up something and, and <laughs> 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 something else I'm going to have to pay later on down the road. So no, I don't. I don't really mess with those you have to to believe in that shit for some shit to come get you yeah you have to believe it i did did back in uh 2007 or 8 kering magazine uh did a piece uh they took uh me and, and several other people out to this uh haunted castle in newcastle and we did like a little seance and uh this place where they were they had like a there was like a mortuary and uh either way two hours into this whole thing and there was some weird stuff going on you were standing in the dark and people are talking weird shit. you kind of freak yourself out uh but we were down in the basement and we had like this table and it wasn't a ouija board but we were doing like a we had like a glass on a table we were doing it like the like you do on the ouija board back and forth and uh remember we're all kind of standing around it and the glass was there and nobody had their hands there and the glass just went right off the table and just smashed. Wow. And that's when everybody goes, I'm out of here. And I was like, I'm out of here. Like it was, <laughs> I the only, I don't, I have no explanation for that. There was nobody trying to be magician. I don't think anybody was trying to freak us out. I could tell that the guy that was hosting it and being the, the talker, he was kind of freaked out too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. so that's that's that's, that makes yeah. it kind of cool. Yeah. No one got that's hurt. The only, the, no got Nobody hurt. got hurt, but they, yeah. yeah, it was like a little little small table and the glass, they were just kind of using it. Everyone kind of had their, their fingers on it. They were kind of moving it around and we all let go and then it just, when they, when the guy asked if anyone was here, it, it smashed. Wow, <laughs> I don't know. He could have been really cool and it's like, smack. Yeah. <laughs> I have no I, I didn't see it. I was watching it. And you didn't see playboy. the fishing
1: was, line tied to the I'm was looking for i always looking for that. Stuff. Looking for the fishing line. Yeah.
0: Always. Let's, spend, let's spend a couple minutes on the murder dolls. Um, I have to admit that's the first time you came on my radar. I, I, I had the album beyond the Valley of the murder dolls. And, um, so uh, two questions. One is why did the band break up after two albums? Cause it seemed to me as an outsider that you had a certain amount of momentum going. And number two, I wanted to ask, what was it like to work with Mick Mars on the second album?
2: Um, Murder Dolls, unfortunately, was just a victim of being a side project like Slipknot is such a huge band and such a huge operation. No matter how successful Murder Dolls was, it was never going to be anywhere close to Slipknot. You know, and when that operation starts going, you know, they don't just go out for a show here or there. It's like we're going out for two and a half years. So every time we, you know, the first album, we didn't know if it was going to be do anything or not. And it was successful. We made fans. Yeah. But I remember the label telling telling Joey and telling Corey Taylor, like, your Stone Sour project and Murder Dolls is it's taking a break. We're not going to do anything to promote it. It's Slipknot from this point on. And that's kind of how they looked at it. And then I think Uh, when I started doing the Wednesday stuff, Joey, I don't think he was happy with me doing this. We didn't talk for, for a couple of years. Uh, and then Corey Taylor started doing stone sour and they got a hit and they went, Oh, well, we can work. We can juggle this. And then murder dolls finally got back together to the second album in 2010. And that one, the label was excited. They liked the song. They were pushing it. They were promoting it. And right into recording it, the bass player Paul from Slipknot died. Right. Right in the middle of it. And, I'm, and that just shook everything up. And then it was, well, now we got to do a Slipknot Paul tribute tour. So that took Murder Dolls off from being that. So then it was, oh, well, we're going to come back to Murder Dolls in a year and a half. And I'm like, look, I'm just going to do my own thing. It's yeah. kind of hard to compete. You get to the top of the mountain and just get thrown right <laughs> thrown yeah. off. I'm like, fuck. So that's yeah. kind of how it was, and it was always just a fight. How Had we didn't have something like that, uh, like Slipknot involved, we probably would have stayed together and had a ton of records. But at the same time, we wouldn't have had the attention we had had it not been a side project of Slipknot, because everybody's eyes was on that. It was like Kiss being unmasked. Everybody wanted to see what they looked like. And Murder Dolls was the first look of one guy from that band. And we instantly had eyes on us. and. Places were packed. We did two weeks of shows in the States in the very beginning, and then we were playing with Guns N' Roses in Japan. Like it was just instant stuff. Six weeks, wow. of Iron Maid, main support. It causes wow. slipknot. You know, like it's right. uh, so yeah. And to answer your Mick Mars question, it was fucking awesome working with him. He's so cool. Uh, he came in and he looked just like you'd see him on stage in Molly right now top hat. Someone told me I looked like I was wearing a Mick Mars Halloween costume a couple months ago. It looked like this. Then got his platforms on. Girlfriend carrying his guitar. We sat down, started telling really dirty jokes, and he's like, "Cool, I get along with you guys. Let's go." And we walked out because the, the, we were recording in the studio, and then right next to it was a house we were like staying at. It was just cheaper than getting hotels. So we came in, hung out for a bit. We went out in the studio and. uh he had worked on the, the two songs he had some ideas and the weirdest thing was he he set up two whammy pedals and was working on like a double bass i've never seen anybody do that before standing on he them? Just, no he was just you know how someone would like sit in the chair and work a wah-wah pedal yeah, yeah. he was working two, like a drummer would work a
1: double pedal, like, like one at a time foot on this one get it get it where he likes it put it on another one no, oh, he, he was doing like a double kick, left and right oh, as he played. Oh, one like, one foot on each one. Wow, yeah. that's crazy,
2: man! We, in in like in like seventies platforms, like the you know, like the dolls, like got the <laughs> separated hill. Now, now that's just, that's not, talent. Well, it was no, it was something. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of noise. I don't know. If we recorded well, that part, but uh, but yeah, he was fun. Uh, he came in he was letting everybody play this Motley guitar. He was doing all the kickstart my heart whammy stuff. we were all geeking out on it. So, uh, but no, nah, he came in, we worked for, I don't know, three or four hours and, uh, talking through the parts he did on, on the record. And, uh, it was, it was super cool. You know, that was, you know, that, that was like getting Ace freely to come play on, on something for me. You know, yeah. that was, uh, it was a cool thing. And he was such a, such a cool dude and he was humble and, uh, he treated us great. And, um, so yeah, that's, uh, Another one in my on my list of awesome things I got to do. That's amazing. That's amazing.
1: Cool. I, was this would, was this paycheck? Would you say? I mean, obviously it was worth it because it was like you know, it was I don't dreamy. Know. But but did he? I mean, he did he come he in and do? Did you do? Did, you, did he come? Do you a solid
2: or did you have the label or management no. contact him? It was literally uh, we had a guy that was kind of being our tour manager, of our house our house mom. That okay. took care of it We were right. recording the record. We were basically writing that song, Drug Me to Hell, and we were trying to figure out some lead stuff. And I was trying some lead guitar stuff and I was like, I don't know, man. This song's just got a Mick Mars vibe to me on it. And we were fucking around with it. And the the tour manager guy, Sully, goes he goes, well, Why don't you just fucking get him to come play on it? I'll call him. And I Good. went, Yeah, what? And he goes, Well, if you <laughs> and Literally, it was that quick, and he was there wow. like two days later. That's you how good the spot. This, but this guy also used to tour manage Motley Crue, so he knew everybody. Oh, okay, um, so yeah. another one.
1: Well, he, he he had it. You had a reason. Mick was so
2: comfortable. Yeah, yeah, Mick was comfortable good, with man, him. that's great. So that was yeah. that. It was literally that, that quick. It was kind of yeah. like a bullshit. That's like inner circle <laughs> shit right there, man. exactly. Yeah, and we, and we yeah. didn't live that far. We were recording up in like the Hollywood Hills. He didn't live that far away. oh uh, man, that's perfect. So, yeah, you, was, guys, you guys yeah. were his
1: entertainment for the evening. He loved it. Yeah. He loved it. That's, that's awesome. Thinking. That makes it real, dude. I wanna I wanna ask
0: one I, I don't wanna end on a on a dark note and, and but but I do wanna ask you, uh Wednesday. I know Joey Jordison's passing just shocked the world. I don't think that the the world at large was not aware of any sort of health issues or anything, unless I'm missing something. I mean, was it was the news as much of a shock to you as an insider as it was to everyone else? Or or were you aware of some underlying health conditions or 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 other something else that might have contributed to his passing at
2: such a young age? Honestly, I don't know if, 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 uh, I don't know anything of him being in bad health. Like when I saw him, I know he had, he had his health problems that he had, he had talked about online over the past couple of years. But as far as that being anything that was like, you know, putting him toward death or anything, I don't think anybody had that type of expectations. But he was just, like I said, no one had been in touch with him, uh, at all. Um, so when we all heard, it was all a shock. Uh I know, I think he had just, I think he had recently just split up with his girlfriend, so he may have been living by himself for the first time for a long time. Uh No one mentioned COVID. No one, I, I have no idea. It was literally just, he died in his sleep, and that's the news they've given to everybody. Uh I, I hope that it's that simple and it was that easy for him to go out and just, you know, peaceful. Uh, but I, I have no idea. I have no idea what was going on with him, and everybody... When he when he passed i had so many people reach out to me like what happened i'm like i don't know a lot of people thought that he and i spoke constantly that's how much he just i don't know anybody that he was in touch with like yeah. he was really like like a recluse so i don't know i don't know if we'll ever find out exactly other than just what what they've what they said and that's probably all we're ever going to hear yeah wow well, I,
0: I appreciate you uh at yes. least taking a shot at that question um, I know it's not easy.
1: Wednesday, thank you very yeah. much for hanging out with us. We yeah. really appreciate you. You're a, you're a I'm solid guy. You've always been a solid guy. Do you remember one last one last trick? Do you mm. remember Jim Florentine handing you the phone? Some of you guys yeah. were on. A, it might have been the murder dolls. Jim Florentine yeah. calls me. I go, D- Jim, what's up? He goes, Hey, the murder dolls are here. They want to say hi. Here you go. He hands you, was, hands you guys the phone. And I'm like, yeah. Who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was that's a trip. True. I was just like, Wow. And you know, and you guys were on my radar after that. I was just like, yeah. Oh, I got to check these dudes out. I just talked to them on the phone. I should check them out. So, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Interesting. Jim well, Florentine, yeah. another great guy that's connected oh, me with many people. He's such, he, a, such he's a good He's the best.
1: Dude. He's the best guy, man. Yeah.
2: yeah. I get some mornings when I wake up, like on tour, and after I've been singing for like a week, and I get up, like I just do my Florentine. My voice is so deep, and it's like, Jack. <laughs> I gotta do it right now, but like I, I do it, I get it so good, like I tell the like, guys, I go, turn around, turn around, don't look at me, and I'll go, coming up on that metal show. <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> I get this whole Florentine thing. I can't nice. wait till I see him next time so I can embarrass Oh.
1: Do it. So. I think I'm seeing him this weekend at that Monsters on the Mountain thing.
2: Well, tell him I said hello and I miss him.
1: I will. I will. I will. I will. Uh, Wednesday. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank uh, you so
0: much, man. You you, you were awesome, and we didn't even get to talk to about Frankenstein drag queens or Maniac Spider Trash or at Gunfire oh 76. I had we'll, that record. I love it. We'll bring you uh, back
2: on for a second edition. Yeah. we, we got lots, lots. I'm old. We got what's hours of talking about, we got get talking yes. about the law yes different strokes and they brought a little red-haired yes. kid in yes like yes, yes please if, if, you're, right, old, if Urkel. you're
0: old if you're old then me and jason are dead i'll just yeah. leave it at that yeah
1: because <laughs> you're you've got you've got a long you've got, a, <laughs> a, long, you got a
2: long way to go bro <laughs> if you're old then i'm dead that's the new shirt that's a good one right there you go all right wednesday thank you so much for
0: your time we wish you continued success uh best of luck on the new album horrifier it drops october 7 everyone uh on behalf of my co-host jason mcmaster i'm metal dave along with our special guest today wednesday 13 on the talk louder podcast
2: Like the shoe prankster. Try it out, kids.